I don't know all the characters' names. I don't know any of the characters' names. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't think I can pull this one up. Maybe it's on. I'm sure there's a cast list on one, IMDb. One. What did no. we just watch, Amy? <laughs> one man, two governors. Yeah. And I'm looking up to see if I can find a cast list. Uh, there is... There is a Wikipedia page. Yeah. It's got yeah. the National Theater, the UK Tour, the West End, and the Broadway casts. Oh, yeah. Which were mostly the same. Yeah. Two, one man, two governors. Yeah. Two... Two governors. Two, two governors. The National Theater production recording of it. From yeah. From the internet. 2011. Yeah. The National Theater, oh, well, they don't always do good shows, but they also make really wonderful films of the shows. Yes. When they, they when then... they record them, they do a really good job of it. Yes. In a way that is, is clear that they know what they're doing and it's, how to film stage. Yeah. It's live theater on film. It's not trying to be... Anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also not like the high school recording you get of your... Musical, which is single camera. Yeah, one camera back. stuck in the lighting booth. Yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of say, well, there's one colored blob there and one there, and they're singing a song, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're not mic'd. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think this is a lot, the first like theater show we've done. It is, which is funny because this podcast started after us watching a play and going, we should record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we watched. Um, I think it was Transom was around the time we were that we were like you you turned to me and was like do you want to just like record our thoughts on things and I was like Amy I've been waiting for years for you to ask me that question (laughs) and the answer is yes (laughs) although it's much easier to record your your thoughts about something where you have like no stake in it yes which is probably why we haven't talked anybody theater (laughs) um, yeah we know everybody and not everybody we. Yeah, we know a lot of people in Austin theater. Yes, and um, we often go see shows with them. Yeah. And we don't tend to talk about them on our podcast. <laughs> well, no, not because they're bad, but... No, but because it's hard to talk about stuff your friends made. Yeah, yeah. So, it's much easier when you're talking off the cuff yeah. to talk about people you don't know. Yeah. Like James Corden. I don't know James Corden. Yeah, yeah. We don't know James Corden. Although he was great. Yeah, watching this, I was like... This is this is how he got the late late show. Yeah, like this yeah. is this, the late late absolutely. show. Um, I mean, yeah, this is also how he got a Tony. Yes, <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah, are you, are you gonna jump up? It's hard, Kitty. I know we don't have the right table. Um, uh, so, one man, two governors is a modern adaptation of a Goldoni play called Servant of Two Masters. <laughs> One servant, two governors. One servant, two masters. I mean, it's pretty close. Yes. Um, and the Goldoni play is is farcical and often yeah. done in a comedia. Well, I mean, it's, it's influenced it's from by the comedia. history of it's it's. I always think of it as late period comedia, because um, like true comedia was almost entirely improv- right. improvised. It was improvisation. It was acrobatics um, and music and. Um, from my like two theater history courses a very long time ago, you sort of had a split in late era yeah. commedia between Goldoni and Gazzi. Uh, I know this is oversimplification. Well, it's seventeen forty three, so that's not really commedia. 
height of time. Well, when was Commedia? Because I don't know. Before that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. Okay. I have a PhD in theater I know. history. That's why I defer to you. No, no. Don't defer to me. Because I am so poorly read in theater and in theater history. I get my things... Um, well, I'm sure there's a link to Commedia somewhere no, on that page. Yeah, yeah, no, but it, it says the 1743 Commedia dell'arte style comedy play by the Italian playwright Goldoni. So 1743 is too late. Okay. Because remember, Commedia is influencing Shakespeare. Well, sure. And like, yeah. It's, it's, it's like I feel like Commedia was around for a long time, but well, yeah, yeah. it's still kind of it's still around. Like, yeah. Mare, this, Mare has this was Commedia. <laughs> a master's degree. Yeah. In Comedia. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this was a, a adaptation, reinterpretation of Servant of Two Masters. Yeah, which uh, is about a servant. Who gets hired by two masters. By two, by two masters. Yeah. And, and in this adaptation, um, it's a... James Corden is the, the, the servant. servant. Yes. Um, I'm trying to see when... It was written. Servant? It was definitely, or... no. One Man, Two Governors. I think it was like around the time it was produced. Yeah. Like 2011. Yeah. Um, yeah, it premiered. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see, have you ever seen or read Servant of Two Masters? You know, no, I think we saw like the first act when we were in Prague of a production of it. We did. We walked out. <laughs> did we? Why did we? We never do that. Why did we that walk out? That is the out? only show I've ever walked out of. So Wait, they, they weren't doing it farcically. They weren't doing it farcically. Yeah. Um, it, was it was an boring. actor's show. Oh, wait, that's the one where we were like 17 stories up. We were 17 up, stories like, up down. in an obscured view seat. It was scary. It was scary. <laughs> you were like looking straight You were looking straight down. down. And we had like a pillar in our way so we could see like a third of the stage, obstructed view. Um, and the, it, yeah, the it performance... Boring. Was an, an actor, a Czech actor, who'd been doing this role for, like, 30 years. Oh, that's right. He was, like, and a he Czech was, comedian. Yeah, and he like was, like... Like, a TV famous... Yeah, like, a famous comedian. And, like, him doing this was very, like, imbued with him doing it. Right. Like, it's like Robin Williams doing a performance of this. You know it's going to be Robin Williams forward. Um, and that wasn't interesting when you don't speak the language or have any context or have any context. Um, well, cause I saw a servant in undergrad, um, Texas tech did a production of it, um, that I saw. And this brought back a lot of memories of, although they did it in, I don't want to say a historically accurate way because that's impossible, but they did it in a way that was strongly influenced by the history of Commedia. Yeah. So they did it with masks. They, the, the Harlequin was wearing the true Harlequin suit. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Pantalones character, I don't remember the, his name may have been Pantalone. Um, but like all of these Commedia archetypes were performed in a way that was meant to be incredibly evocative of what you would have seen had you been there in the first Goldoni production. Um, Did they also use the perspective sets? Yeah. So it's like, oh, that that's why I was like, Servant must be an 18th century production because of those <laughs> yeah. perspective yeah. sets. Um, 
And it's interesting. I enjoyed this a heck of a lot more than that production of Servant. And I think it's because this did a really good job of bringing the feel of Commedia without having to be slavish to Commedia or any of that. Like, there was slapstick. And, I mean, the original Commedia had the actual slapstick, which was the... (laughs) Like, that's where that comes from. Right. For those of you at home that don't know, it's a slap. I mean, it's a stick. It's a stick. That makes the slap sound, like, claps. Yeah, it's it's got two two pieces, and they clap together, and that's the slapstick. Yeah. That's where that phrase comes from. Um, but it had the the physical comedy and the wordplay and and the just silliness of Commedia um, in a modernized way that was really fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. We laughed we laughed quite a bit. We did. We laughed a lot. Um, which is which is a little rare for us. Yeah. Like even in comedies, like film comedies, we don't usually we like don't laugh. laugh out loud, even when we really like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot, a lot of physical comedy, yeah, which is great. Like I, I think we've talked about several times that that's that's almost like a lost art. Mm-hmm. Um, you certainly don't see it in film anymore. We no. pointed out in Pink Panther, yeah, uh, all the physical comedy, um, not quite lost in the theater, but well, no, I, I was thinking as I was watching like this is, theater is one of the places where you can get the best physical comedy, right. And this is this is a show that works on stage. Like I can't imagine doing a film adaptation uh, of it. It would be it would be terrible. It would it would yeah it wouldn't work. Um, uh, you'd have to do some major adaptation and revision. Yeah, and it's not going to be well because I mean funny in the same in way. the same way that like a door slamming farce is funny is because it's all happening simultaneously and it is happening right now right here in front of you. Well, that's noises off the film is really funny. Yes, and Noises Off managed they, to pull that off. And but they also did it as a play within the film. Yeah, they they're not they, trying to do real life. Yeah, I I Tom still Hooper, marvel. Still looking at you, man. <laughs> still looking at you. I still marvel at how good Noises Off the film is because yeah. that shouldn't be as good as yeah. it is. Um, and it's amazing. Uh, but this. Is, I mean, I think this was the perfect way to watch this. Like, short of mm-hmm. a live of production. Yeah. Um, they filmed it really well. There was only one time when I got mad at the filming. Um, which was at, right before he started, or like in the very early stages of fighting with himself, where he was doing the back and forth. James Corden's James character, Corden's character yeah. was, was arguing with himself. Yeah. Um, and it's a very funny physical like bit where you're looking one direction as one character and then right. you turn and cut to the other way and they sh- showed him do that a couple times and then they started cutting on the turns right and that i'm, I'm like no you're you're just, robbing it so what they should have done is just had the camera straight on him yes. so that you yourself could look to the left look to the right instead of doing the filmic mm-hmm. i don't know what that cut is called um, but it's, it's, it's the most like common way that you see dialogue shot reverse shot yeah shot yeah. reverse shot yeah, you see one person talking, then they you see mm-hmm. it over their shoulder the and that, other person, and that talking. robs the joke of that scene when you film it in a shot reverse shot way because you've got the two cameras, and so he turns and faces one camera, and he turns and faces the other camera, and it doesn't work, and that made me mad. <laughs> and that was like the one time where I was like, they're filming this in a way that doesn't highlight the humor of what's being done or the physicality of what's being done. Um, I mean, James Corden rolling across the stage, wrestling himself. 
was great. Was great, and but it that was, and that was shot perfectly. Like you, you, it was in the moment. It was live. It felt realistic. It um, was one of those excellent early on examples of physical comedy. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. There's just like throughout um, mm-hmm. the show, and and almost. Most of it's happening from Corden's character. Yeah, most of it happens from Corden. You get a little bit at the end with uh, the two lovers, right. Rachel and, yeah. and yeah. Stanley. I mean, they're definitely not the... And, um, the the door slamming in the hotel oh, scene. Where he's trying... <laughs> James Corden's character is trying to serve both his masters... Lunch. Lunch. <laughs> In two separate rooms, and you see the bo- doors to the two separate yeah. rooms on stage, and they keep popping in and out, mm-hmm. but just missing each other, so they yeah. don't see he's each working other. Really hard. Man, that was a killer payoff. Um, the way they paced it, and like, instead of starting way up high, yeah. like, even though it was so funny from the beginning, yeah. and so much physical, it built... it's still built. Well, and like the bit with the, the audience member holding the soup. Um, so this is a spoiler for this play, which again is it's funny. Go find it on the internet if you can, because um, they had an audience participation bit early on um, that I think, as far as I could tell, was an actual audience participation. Several, bit. actually. Yeah, yeah. They had multiple. There was the bit with the sandwich. There was the bit with the luggage. The yeah. sandwich bit, I think, about just broke James Corden. Do you think that that was real? Or I that it was that a was, plant. So I thought, I was thinking it was a plant until we got the actual plant at the end of Act One. Yeah. At yeah. which point I was like, I think the other one was real. Because <laughs> I think, I think the idea from a structural standpoint is they do a couple of these very simple ones. Um, having the two guys come up on stage right. for some physical comedy, that was really good. Um, the thing with the sandwich, like James Corden asking the audience for a sandwich getting an actual response. Like, I'm sure people have responded that way before. And like in the moment of the production, like they build that expectation that he's going to riff a little bit. And I say that because like the guy's entrance was very clearly timed to like interrupt what was going on. About the sandwich. About, well, to interrupt the sandwich. Like when the guy comes yeah. out, I'll help you with the, the crate. And he's like, Oh, uh, uh, okay. Like that felt structured as not as the guy in the audience was a plant, but that they were prepared for that potentiality. Yes. Um, and had a planned way to get out of that. Because I'm looking at the structure and I'm going, cool, you gotta, you're going to do audience interaction. You have to figure out what do you do with the unexpected in that space. And one of the easiest things to do is you have... I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. You have designated start and end points with specific moments that you have to get to and you play in the middle and that's really what we got in the first two audience interaction bits um well and granted that they were real and not mm -hmm. um scripted with the audience and then you bring in the improvisation role of comedia yes which is which is oh so comedia and so like that felt True to Commedia in a very powerful way. But then when you get to the one at the end of the first act, where, like, I realized roughly when I, no, I'll be honest, I realized when they threw water on her. Yeah. Like, that was the, like, okay, she's a plant. Like, that was my realization moment. Um, But they had convinced you to believe it so much before that by having two other realistic audience 
interactions that sort of scale on each other. And it was amazing. And it was brilliant. And it was hilarious. Well, she also, the woman he brings up from the audience, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of... he gives her a bowl of soup so he yes. can put a bunch of food in yeah, it. Yeah, he's um, building a stash. Yeah. And she just acted so much like a dazed oh, audience yeah. member. It was brilliant. She was perfect. Like, <laughs> and then at the end, they throw water at her and they spray her down with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. And then they have a crew member come out. And yeah. Take, and that to me was like another like, oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Like, that was supporting the reality for oh, me. Oh, absolutely. No, it did a great job of that. Like, then they have the crew member with the headset, the whole black coming out. Like, let me take you off stage. I'm so sorry about all this. Yes, it absolutely sold the moment. Well, I guess I've seen enough magic shows and psychic shows to know there's always a plan. Yeah. So oh, I, yeah. I don't know, because I, I don't uh, have any background on this show. What? Yeah. Um, and it's entirely possible the other two bits were plants. I, I will leave that open as a possibility. It does remind me of my favorite audience plant moment. Um, in this show? Not in this show. In another show, which was the Penn and Teller show, um, which I saw in Vegas years ago. Um, they had a magic trick that they were doing. It was, it was a close-up magic. That was the idea. And um, they said, oh, we need a member from the audience to come up and uh, – you know, film this. We need someone to film Penn doing this close-up magic bit. And, you know, does anybody have any film experience, any camera work experience? Because they had a film camera, they had a, a digital camera that they were projecting onto the screen so mm-hmm. everybody else could see it. Um, and so they bring him up and have the, the person hold the camera up to his face. So he's looking through the viewfinder, so he's got a very limited scope of vision. And then up on the, the screen, you see Teller, who's hiding behind a shim, who's actually doing all of the magic tricks because the other person can't see it. Um, and so you can't see Teller, you just see him on the screen. There's a wall that he's behind and pushing things through and stuff. And then the reveal at the end is the guy holding the camera is Teller. <coughs> in a wig and a fake beard. And he's been talking the whole time, so you don't know that it's Teller, because Teller doesn't talk. Um, but he takes those off and, it, and it's revealed, oh, the Teller you saw on the screen was pre-recorded. And somebody else was doing all the things uh... that you couldn't see. <laughs> One of the most mind-blowing, like, bits of, of there's a plant in the audience mm-hmm. <laughs> ever seen. I loved it. <laughs> Could do a lot of good work. Yeah. Oh, Penn and Teller are great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the vein of Commedia, I would say. Yeah, if these were real interactions, uh, which we think most of them were. I think the, the first ones were, yeah. Were. Uh, it, it was, what a chance. Yeah, <laughs> to, to be take, on the live. <laughs> to take. And also, you know, audience participation is really hard to yes, pull off well. it is. Well, because you have to do twice the work as the actor on stage. Because mm-hmm. you don't know what they're going to do. They're, they're rarely going to give you much. You have to work off very little. Well, you have not to scare them. Yes. As well. Because a lot of times, uh, like when, when theater kids just learned about Brecht... <laughs> They just like run through the audience kids and love Brecht. get in people's faces. <laughs> like it's Brechtian, it's Brechtian. <laughs> now I'm I thinking can't... about those SNL skits, the high school theater <laughs> skits. <laughs> it's Brechtian. I don't know how many audience members I've heard say like how 
inc- uncomfortable they were, but not in like the way Brecht no, wanted to No, not in the way Brecht to wanted to be. <laughs> no. In a like, get me out of here, this is bad. Yeah, this is bad. <laughs> yeah, I do not consent. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I thought it, like, I thought it was starting out slow, kind of. And, um, but it, it, I think that was another pacing thing. Oh, yeah. Like, they couldn't building, have started as high as they as building. they ended. Yeah, the scene before the act or the act break, the interval, inter- interval, the intermission was the one that starts. It just it was all physical. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, and we got to the interval, and I wondered if it was going to have an act two problem, which is yeah. so often you get a lot of act two problems. Because to me, in Wicked, Wicked. Ugh. The act ends, I say that, the first half ends with Defying Gravity. It's perfect. And you just can't top that. You can't. Like, you cannot top that number. So when you get to act two, it's fine. Yeah. But it's not, uh, you just can't. You can't end And then you get the act two problem uh, with playwrights who feel, like, the act two feels rushed, the second half. Please come in. Three acts, five acts. <laughs> I'm just talking about the parts before and after. And yes. Intermission. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of plays out there that struggle with their act twos. Um, although we've read a lot of plays recently that had really good act twos. Um, rumors being coming to mind. Uh, well, we've, Neil Simon wrote rumors. <laughs> yeah, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Harvey won a Pulitzer. Yeah, he knows what he's like, doing. So... <laughs> yeah, Mary Chase was on top of that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. amateurs. So do you think this had an Act 2 problem? Do you think this suffered in the second act? I don't think it suffered, but I I do think that that was the funniest scene before yeah. the intermission. Yeah. Um, which is not the goal of the show, is to have is not to have funnier and funnier mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah. Um, but I was still satisfied. Yeah. The second. Yeah, the second act I think was fine. I freaking loved his monologue when he came out um, with the explanation of Commedia and is like, well, if you're, if you're a fan yeah. of Commedia. I mean, that was written for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin raised his hand in the audience when James Corden character is like, if you wondered... What yeah. the, is Harle- anybody the wondering Harlequin's. what the Harlequin character, that's me, is going to do now that his hunger is sated? <laughs> I was raising my hand because that's yeah. because that is you know a very defining characteristic of the Harlequin. Well, he also called you out because he's yes. like, <laughs> you probably noticed this. If you're on a date, you told your date <laughs> in the lobby to impress that, her. To impress her that I don't know what the objective will be in the second act. Uh, that was calling Kevin yeah, out Yeah, it called directly, me out 100%. Directly. I didn't actually say that to Amy, but she knew that I would I, Yeah. <laughs> you have the same brain. Sometimes. On some things. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. That was calling me out. And I take it. I'll take it. You know what I liked, too? And this is not... I mean, this... Comedia. Mm-hmm. Yes, but um, that... The, it, the Harlequin mm-hmm. can... I think I'm saying Harley Quinn's. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Harley Quinn in A Servant of Two Masters. Yeah. <laughs> um, main motivating factor being food. And this mm-hmm. is seen very early in, in um, 
His name is like Henley Francis 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 Henschel. Francis Henschel. And he's very hungry because he hasn't eaten in a yes. while. He doesn't have any money. Yes. And so that's established. And how food is his drive for food is so funny without being a fat joke. Because yeah. that was his role in Cats. Oh, God. You're making me think about Cats again. <laughs> James Corden's cat. Was fat. Was fat. And that was the, the joke. joke. So I really appreciated. That this like, was, in fact. <laughs> that it was all about food and, like. Hunger. And... Um, like, and them piling on food and, yeah. like, being gluttonous with, mm-hmm. like. Well, he's not eating it. He's not eating it all. He's saving it. Yes. Because he doesn't have any money. Yes. Um. So that, yeah, without not being a, a fat joke. Yeah. It was really good. And also just, um, you know, Corden does a lot of physical comedy. Yes. And like. He's in, a very athletic man. <laughs> right, right. In like the Late Late Show. And, you know, it's nice to see that. Um, mm-hmm. It goes against the idea that fat people are not fit, yeah, or don't have endurance, um, because you gotta, you, you gotta... you're not gonna get through that show, no, <laughs> without being fit. Like the amount of work he did, which which led to speaking of the the fight scene we were talking about earlier. Again, one of, there's so many great jokes in this. The joke where the actor, the the wannabe actor, comes out at the end of James Corden's fight with himself. Because everyone applauds, because it's a big yeah. moment. It's a big yeah. physical comedy, and everyone's like, yeah, that was really good, James Corden. And then the actor comes out and poses as if the applause is for him. Yeah. Like, that's brilliant. It's yeah. such a perfect joke. It is. And it's actually pretty hard to pull off well. Yeah. Like, it's hard to it's hard to be a bad actor yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Um, it's rare to see it done so well. He nailed that. Everyone in this was perfect. Like, I think everyone did exactly what they were supposed to do the whole time. Yeah. I... The cast was great. I agree. I do, like... This is obviously, like, this play is a star vehicle for whoever's playing Francis Hallway. Um, I wish they had more women characters. Yeah. Henshaw. Henschel? Henschel. So it's a star vehicle for whoever plays Francis Henschel. Yeah. I wish it had more women yeah. characters or uh, you know i enjoyed seeing rachel play roscoe yeah the whole time that was real fun um so it's fun to at least see that mm-hmm. and um, which i feel like was a plot in the original servant it wouldn't be so I, it's yeah. so intertwined with like what we think about shakespeare yeah shakespeare pulled all of his stuff from other sources yes like it goes back much further in European history. So, yeah. Yeah. That seems... Like it's a very, it very funny show. It could have been. Um, I don't know. Hmm. What? No, don't bite. Although, I mean, the women did have... They did great. Yeah. They, they, they did just, funny... They were, they were playing very... Um, Not tropey, but very specific comic roles. Right. They're all archetypes. And that's the word. Archetypes. Yeah. Um, And that's true of all of Commedia, but... Dolly is the sassy servant. Yes. (laughs) And then you've got the young lovers. Yes. And, um... 
Yeah, they're all, I mean, they're all tropes. They're all archetypes. That's sort of how it works. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, that was an area where those characters were, were less, not interesting. So I think, I think, for example, Dolly was really interesting. Yeah, mostly in the second half, though, it does take on more with the other characters. Yes, it, and... it becomes less focused on, um, Henshaw specifically. Yeah. Although when Dolly like imitated him as a baby, <laughs> physically as a yeah. baby, rolling on the ground, <laughs> that was real good. Nah. <laughs> and then she just stands back up. Yep, not um, even winded. I I was fascinated by her costume um, because she had the sweater around her shoulders, yeah. and I realized that has to be sewn in. Oh, place. that was definitely tapped. it has to be sewn in place. Yeah, because like it's always perfect (laughs) like that's like that's hard to pull off just naturally so and then the good news rolling on the ground and just got back up and everything was fine Mm. i was like okay yeah that explains it yeah um hmm oh did you ask i don't know if you had this thought the lawyer's name is harry dangle i did think that his name was harry dangle (laughs) and it reminded me of that movie the snowman <laughs> with harry hole yeah <laughs> the character the michael fassbender plays. is yes except in the snowman it wasn't a joke or a thing no, it was just the guy's name it was, was just, just harry hole yeah i i want to go look again being first impressions i don't actually have any of this information in front of me i want to go like map the other characters to their commedia yeah, I really Archetypes. wondered about Lloyd and why he was, uh, like, Afro-Caribbean, or I guess he's Jamaican, specifically, yeah. and how... Where that that cross was, so um, to speak. Yeah, what was behind that choice. Because I always, when you have a cast of, well, no, if you have a cast of all white actors and one actor of color, mm-hmm. to me, that pulls a lot, like, it... It adds a layer of meaning. It does add a layer of meaning, and it's usually not a great... Like, to me, it pulls... Yeah. It reminds you how white that the, mm-hmm. these theater, um, produ- like, big national regional theaters are. Um, so, yeah, I have questions about that. Yeah. Fair. Um, I kind of want to go look at... Which I would have to investigate yeah. more. Um of what the choice is there because there's always a chance especially with the jamaican accent that audiences start laughing at the accent yes rather than feel like that was happening in this performance yeah this is a little warning flag for me where a little little pin in that to like make like see what's going on there yeah Mm. yes we have we have the servant, we have the head of the household, the dottore, Captiano, indigenous loner. That might have been who that we might were going have been. for. Was Il Captiano. Some sort of other, other quote yeah. unquote. Um, Inamorati were the high class hopeless lovers. We definitely had them. Pantalone was the wealthy older man. That was the Harry Dangle mm-hmm. role. Uh, the Columbia, the perky maid, and the Periot. Um, I don't know that we had a. I don't know that we, I'd say we had a periot. What does the periot do? Do they parrot? They're the sad clown. Ah, uh, the sad clown. Could that have been like the um, 
old man waiter. Oh yeah, that's exactly who that was. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Who, You're right. The old, the old man waiter was the second like physical comic. Yeah, like they're all was, doing. He physical was the other comics. clown. Yeah. <laughs> he was acting. I mean, he wasn't actually played by an 87 year old actor. No, it was the he younger was playing actor 87. who was playing. 87. Well, he was playing a, a clown 87. the nosebleed seats. Yeah. Yeah. And it uh, the first time he fell down the stairs <laughs> was so good. Just that dead drop. <laughs> See, when that happened, I only caught it out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> so it was almost like understated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, it wasn't drawing attention to yeah. it in that sort of way. Because that was you know, like, early on in the scene. <laughs> They weren't. They were still building. Yeah, because an actor was like coming up the stairs or in that yeah. area. So your 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 focus was being pulled on the actor coming down stage. Yes. and he was going downstairs and they just upstage. Falls. And so, <laughs> just like see something out of your corner of your eye that's like wrong. Yeah, that wasn't right. Whatever <laughs> it was. Yeah, oh, there's so many so many good builds in that. I mean, I could watch that scene over and over again there was so much going on in it so much funny the builds the physical comedy the the old waiter getting slammed by the door repeatedly um it's funny i was thinking about it too in that almost every single like slapstick piece of of work i could read as fake like i could tell what it was Mm -hmm. Um, some of that's because I've done a little bit of stage combat. I've got a tiny amount of training in that because um, I did it in a couple shows. Um, some of it's just I know where to look and I know what to expect in theater. Um, but also, like, because it's Commedia, it doesn't matter if you can tell that it's fake. Right, right. But, well, because you have the history of a slapstick. Yeah. <laughs> so so I thought that was really interesting, particularly when, like, the, the, the door slams on the waiter I'm thinking about. Um I didn't know the first one was coming, but the second one, because I knew, I, I suspected it was coming, because, you know, comedy threes and things like that. Um, I saw the actor's move where he basically, he slams his knee into the door to mm-hmm. make the noise and without hurting right. the rest of him. Um, but I don't care. It was still very funny. Because right. It, well, that's yeah. how you stage combat is yeah. the person who's being hit reacts be- yeah, they long can, before. They control everything. Right. Yeah. They're the ones controlling it and moving around. And one of them is usually going to be hitting a door or their body to make yeah. the sounds. Um, which a lot of times, I don't know, in several shows I've seen in the past, uh, stage combat just doesn't work. Not because it's not done well, but because they're kind of mimicking the way we see fight scenes in movies. Yes, they're, they're having to fight against that expectation. And you can't do that on stage, so it just ends up looking fake yeah. when you're supposed to be taking it very seriously. You you can do it well, but it oh, is of course. very hard. Yeah. It is yeah. very hard yeah. um, to do that really well because, yeah, as we, we're, we're expecting different looks to fight. So a lot of the tricks you're used to doing on stage don't work as well if you're trying to mimic film. Yeah. Um, we're here that I think they played into it a certain amount. Um, when Stanley, the, this one of the two masters, the tall one, Stanley. Yeah. His name was Stanley. When Stanley was beaten up on James Corden's character, they did like three different moves across the stage. You'd like mm-hmm. hit him here, 
they he and he was he was doing like the I'm a prep school boy oh, like yeah. big fight and that allowed them to a make it funnier but also like again I was watching them like move into position for the different moves they were going to do because um, that's that's a magic trick trick but also a stage combat trick which is you do the same thing multiple times but you accomplish it in different ways oh, yeah. so your brain doesn't work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, I, I made this thing, you know, appear, but, and so you go, oh, it was in your hand the whole time. Was it, well, then I do it without my hands. And it's like, oh, where was it? And so it, it, it fools your brain in interesting ways. So watching them have basically, it was like four punches to the face for James Corden, but doing them in four different ways in a matter of, you know, 20 seconds was real fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Another great bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. The (laughs) being that like. It looks like that picture of, of yeah the of, the Duke a of skinny Queensbury skinny little prep boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> fighting. ready ready for fighting oh <laughs> yeah what about the music uh, the music was so fascinating they have a band between scenes uh, I mean ostensibly it's serving a dramatic purpose but practically it's letting them change sets but it's a national theater so they can change sets however quickly they want. <laughs> so. Yeah. You just bring in 30 stage hands and you walk across the stage and you've changed the scene. Yeah. So yeah, no, there was, there was, it was interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know. The first time I was, when I started watching it by myself and I got about 20 minutes in, I wasn't sure what to think about the music. That's how I felt. Yeah. Cause that's often how I feel when there is a, band that does something like that yeah. in between um, scene changes when it's not a musical mm-hmm. that already has a band. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not even music that happens in the play. Like there's stuff that's like not a musical but someone plays a piano on stage and they sing. And that's not really like a a you know Oklahoma style musical. It's a play with music in it. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't even really that because there's never really any interaction. Right. I didn't. I didn't get it at first because they were also playing like a '60s folk band, yeah, almost Beatles ish, like pre Beatles um, almost. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't. Uh, I could tell that immediately from seeing the band. It took me a few minutes in the play to realize like it was in the '60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually ended up enjoying it. Yeah, like, no, I, I, by like the end, I was a... I was fine with it. The different the different musicians started coming out, and I I enjoyed mm-hmm. that sort of that subversion of expectations. Mm-hmm. Well, even during the first act, I was noticing, and I made a note of that it sounded like the songs were progressing through time a little bit. Like the earliest ones were that super folksy, like pre Beatles. Well, they almost sounded like and they got riffs like, on. Very specific Beatles songs. Yeah, yeah, and then but they, and then they, but they got rockier and more rock and rollier yeah. as the they went on, and then we started doing these real genre diversions of oh, the girl group comes out and they sing a, a funny song mm-hmm. about helping your man get away with murder. <laughs> um, I like that song the most. I thought that was the funnest one, um, and then. A steel drum player comes out who's also a character in the play, yeah. but he's not in character when he's performing. Right. And then, like, Corden's character plays the xylophone, comes out. Yeah. Stanley character comes out and plays, like, bicycle horns? I don't know what you call them. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> Little beep beep horns. He plays a horn thing. It was very weird and cute. Yeah. Um, 
And you're like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. And in my mind, I was like, this is so fast and quick and done well. And I just rem- wonder how many hours in rehearsal <laughs> did it take to f- like learn all of that? Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> it is not the worst way to cover a scene change, though. I'll give you that. No, no. Well, and it started... Like I said, to me, the play started kind of slow. I was mm-hmm. having trouble understanding what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the best hearing yeah. anyways. Um, and then as I got more into the play, I also got more into the music. And I felt like the music was able to kind of carry through the energy mm-hmm. through to the next um, scene yeah. that was going to happen. So, Yeah. I really appreciated the scenic design in this show. It did... I mean, I did the forced perspective thing, which worked well. Um, but just, it did so much with so little. I feel like so many, like, Broadway shows nowadays try and, and put all of their money on stage. Musicals. Musicals. But this isn't a musical. This isn't a musical. That's true. That's true. I guess I'm thinking more musicals. Um, I blame Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Everyone's chasing that Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Um, not that, like, Sondheim doesn't get a little ridiculous sometimes, or... Um, but even I think back to, like, the... Uh, look, the Sweeney Todd set's real straightforward. It's it's got lots of moving parts, but it's not ostentatious. Yeah, so a forced perspective set is, like, when... One, it's a very narrow proscenium. They, yeah. like, close the, in the, the proscenium The stage is arch, not very deep. Right. Um and well i mean it's like narrow oh it's okay. not wide yes it narrows sorry. it in then you take in flats on in the wings and progressively they get closer and closer together yeah and smaller right so it looks like you're looking down a whole street yes it's, i mean it's not realistic no it's like forced perspective in a early renaissance painting yeah. or you know yeah that when you learn when you're in elementary school and you learn one point perspective and you draw all the lines coming from the single vanishing point yeah it's that yeah, it's that <laughs> but it's very is very reminiscent of commedia yes yes the types of um scenery they use yeah yeah, yeah it's a good set. it looks like a pop-up book like it that's does. what it looks like to me is is the scenes in a didn't you book. see a play where the scenery was a pop-up book once maybe I didn't go. You saw, I think it was, I'm I'm remembering a thing you told me like 10 years ago. I have a terrible memory. Yeah. You went to Ohio State when you're trying to figure out where you wanted to go for oh, your PhD. Yeah. They and did you saw Spring, Spring Awakening. The play, not the musical. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. They did do a pop-up book on like, um, uh, then they had the pop-up, they had a literal tiny pop-up set on like an overhead projector. And then they, they projected it onto a back wall well they would like change the pages and it mm-hmm. would pop up a new set as the new set yeah on stage popped up that does sound familiar <laughs> i didn't see it so i'm i'm remembering the thing you told me sort it of sounds like a thing it might have been yeah uh yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i don't have a lot more i did like the joke about doing a hamlet yeah, it is five hours long. <laughs> it does take Hamlet five that hours. That seems rash. I don't know. Last everyone. time I saw it, he took five hours. <laughs> <laughs> to kill everyone and himself. Yeah. I mean, not so rash, but not it takes so five rash. hours. 
or the wordplay uh, like the joke about the the running gag about identical twins was hilarious yes but then when you get to like the actual like trying to break down the definition of ident and ickle <laughs> ident means the same and ickle means a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and then they just explain monozygomatic <laughs> So many jokes just build on each other and build in that sort of slow, creeping way where it's like funny right now, but when you get to the crescendo, it It just kills you. Yeah, it's just a total payoff. So good. So funny. Yeah, so look it up if you can. I don't know if it's still streaming on National. Not still streaming on the National Theater website. Can you pay to see it on the. I don't know if you can or not. Um, National Theater is real, real stingy about letting people see their stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that's a rights. Oh yeah, I mean, there's lots of reasons to be issue. like that. Um, I would, if I was going to look anywhere, I would look at like Broadway HD, which is a streaming service that does mm-hmm. lots of Broadway shows. Because um, this production from the National Theater did come over to Broadway. Yes, as a lot of National Theater productions do. Yes, um, and if you are one who sails the high seas, there's I'm sure ways to find it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but the National Theater has been doing a great thing during quarantine mm-hmm. and like been streaming like one show a week or something. Yeah, it's about one show a week um, for free. So catch it, sign up on, you know, go look at the list on yeah. their website. And yeah, there's lots of good stuff. Um, check it out. I think they just did Jane Eyre. Right. Um, someone mentioned that was a good one. Jane Eyre. Treasure Island. Oh, yeah, Treasure Island's coming. Um, the Globe Theater in the UK mm-hmm. has been streaming things on their they just YouTube channel. Their Hamlet, and they got Romeo and Juliet coming up. Maybe maybe today, maybe yesterday. Um, I'd be interested to see Romeo. Romeo and Juliet's such a not it's my favorite Hamlet. Play. It's, it's, your, it's not, not your favorite, favorite Hamlet. Hamlet. Hamlet is my favorite Hamlet by far. Yeah, <laughs> Hamlet is my favorite Hamlet. Although, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern's are a real good second place for favorite yeah. Hamlet. Hamlet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll do Romeo and Juliet right. Yeah. Um, but the Globe is the one that did the Twelfth Night with uh, Mark Rylance as Viola. I don't think I knew that. And that came to Broadway. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was Viola, not Olivia. I think it was Viola. Okay. Viola is the rich one. Okay. Who's not disguised as a boy. Oh, yeah. Cool. I think. I think because that their is, names I think are that is Viola correct. and Olivia. Yeah, it is that's super, the joke. I know it's so confusing <laughs> to remember though. And you were complaining about Russian literature. <laughs> <laughs> they do have nine different names. They don't make any sense. I I pulled up um, the Gutenberg copy of War and Peace on my phone, and. You know how, like, there's Boreas we've been reading? Yeah. This is super off topic. If you want to turn off the podcast <laughs> now, y'all can do that. Um, there's Boreas. No, it's... Baris. 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 The accent's on the second syllable. No, the accent's on the first... No. Bor- Bor- Baris. Yeah. Not and Boris. Okay. Baris. So we're trying to say Boris but the way that they Boris. pronounce it. <laughs> it's Baris. Yeah. Um, well, and so I was looking at this adaptation of it on my phone, and... They did have the accent on. They actually had an accent mark on it, um, but they didn't spell it Boris. They spelled it like B-O-R-I-Y. And I'm like, well, that's more confusing. Well, they don't always say Boris. Sometimes they say Boris. Sometimes they say Napoleon. (laughs) Sometimes 
They say they Napoleon. Say, no, they say it's like Italian, Napoleonte or something. Yeah. Buonaparte. Oh, that's it. Buonaparte. Buona, it's Buonaparte and then it's Bonaparte. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> they can't even stick to one name. And, it's and half the book's like in French. Half the book is in French. Read War and Peace. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> but they say the French name in Italian. So. Yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> complicated Russian novel. It is. It is. Alright, well that's probably enough. Do you have anything else to think you wanted to say? Are there thoughts? I don't think so. It's enough thoughts for one yeah. day. I did look up um, the wonderful line that the fake, the, the bad actor was quoting all of the Shakespeare's. Uh-huh. He's like, what does Shakespeare say about this? And he was like, wonderful, wonderful. I'm like, that's it? He's like, yeah, it's from As You Like It. That is actually from As You Like It. <laughs> <laughs> That was a funny joke. He did. He 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 threw in several. Yeah, most of them were recognizable. Yeah. The joke there was that it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, say good night, Amy. Oh, good night, Amy. <laughs>